So people get really intrigued with the idea of innovation, but it's hard to actually produce. Welcome to our Wednesday live event, Innovation and Audio. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm a branding advisor and consultant with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. I work to help clients who are everyone from broadcast companies to individual stations, personalities, podcasters, and others. If you have a radio station, uh, call about our music lab and how that prevents music drift and improves ratings. Or you can ask us about our morning show, Fame Development Coaching, which puts the accent and the action in the right place to build opportunity for robust ratings growth. Ask us about encouragement, too, because it's one of our services. If you know somebody who's looking for fresh answers, we'd love to help. Reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. This live event is part of a podcast series called The Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and will become available within about an hour of the end of this actual live event wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. They do a great job. Today's guests are Dave Doyevich, boy, I, I knew I was going to butcher his name and he is going to kill me for that. He is the president and general manager of Midwest Family Radio of Southwest Michigan and Indiana. And of course, also tonight, we will be joined by Ahmed Buziz, and he is the CEO of Whitlingo and an ex Amazonian from Alexa. Before we get started with our current guest, I'd like to give you a quick preview of what is coming next on Innovation and Audio. Next Wednesday is going to be a very special event for us on September the 1st. Daniel N. Stendag is going to be with us. He's the CEO of Fituri Media. You can see our full upcoming guest calendar on our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. You will also find free encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series. And for local radio sellers, you get even more encouragement with our Encouraging Sales Success Series, as well as free resources for anyone who is in the radio business today. We don't lock away anything on our website the way some other consultants do. Of course, you can go to RainmakerPathway.com anytime and see what you can get for free from our team. So let's get started with today's guest. You know, our very first guest is Dr. Ahmad Buziz. And Dr. Buziz is founder and CEO of Whitlingo, a McLean, Virginia-based startup that builds products and solutions that enable brands and organizations of all sizes to engage their clients and prospects using, get this, voice, audio, and conversational AI. Prior to Whitlingo, uh, the, the kind doctor was the head of Alexa's smart home product at Amazon and VP of product and innovation at angel.com. He holds 12 patents in speech recognition and the natural language processing field. Dr. Buziz, please welcome to Innovation and Audio. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Lloyd. Can you hear me okay? I can, I can. Is it okay if I call you uh, Ahmad? Is that okay? Yeah, Ahmed is, is fine. 
Ahmed. Very good. Yes, excellent. Let, let's start with the fact that you probably personally know Jeff Bezos and uh, you work in a field that most of us really don't know that much about. We would, we would really like to. What do the rest of us not know about working with somebody like Jeff or somebody like yourself? Um, so, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me, Lloyd. I, I appreciate uh, the, the uh, opportunity to chat with you uh, and share my thoughts uh, uh, with your audience. So, I think the I think the key to success, um, whether you're working with somebody like Jeff Bezos or myself or anyone on his team or any successful executive, is to have a clear um, a clear vision of of what you want to do um, basically to know where you're going uh, and to try to to you know paint that picture as clearly as possible to yourself and to your team um, and just iterate until it becomes clear that um, you know where you're going uh, so that your team also knows where they're going I think that's the key to um, to, to succeeding um, so the one thing that's that Jeff Bezos is famous for is is his obsession with um, with long narrative, with writing. So everything that you do uh, in Amazon is written. So if you have a project, there's no, uh, PowerPoint presentations are banned from Amazon. So you don't do a PowerPoint presentation, you write things up. So if you want to present an idea, you have to write it up in full sentences, no bullet points. Um, what is it you wanna do? Why do you wanna do it? Um, how big is the market? How are you gonna price it? And it 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 has it has to be done in full-fledged written language, and there's a reason for that. I think because um, to write full sentences and not to elide and 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 sort of take, you know, cut corners forces you to think clearly uh, and enables you to communicate um, your ideas in the f in their full complexity to all the stakeholders, everybody in your team who is needed to make things happen. Because you are not gonna make it, um, so I was a product person, and as you know, a product person or, or somebody who's in charge of, of a product line doesn't do really anything as such. They don't program, they don't test, they don't, uh, all they do really is they create vision, they write up um, what is it that we're doing it, why we're doing it, uh, who is the customer, um, and everybody on, on the team needs to fully understand the what, why, and how um, to be able to pull off uh, success. Hopefully I it's answered really, your question. Absolutely, it's really interesting. I never knew that about how Amazon works and kind of the interesting, uh, that, that's an, a very interesting thing. It reminds me actually of the old movie director, Alfred Hitchcock, because he used to storyboard every single scene of a movie before he did it. Mm -hmm. I just wonder how long are those presentations? So uh, there is an instrument, um, a document that is called the PR for press release, FAQ for frequently asked questions. And so whatever, you, whatever it is that you wanna put forward, could be a product, could be an idea, it could be a service, could be a process, you have to put it in that form. And you start by writing a press release, all right? A press release okay. that uh, th that anybody could read, right? And so that forces right, so you- Right, it's just telling you what's coming, right? It's telling you what's coming in a language that anybody and everybody can understand, all right? Uh, so it starts, it's called the working backwards document. It starts from the end. What is it, what we are doing, 
um, and let's let's describe it in language that anyone can understand. And so, when you read the press release, it tells you what it is, why it's important, gives you a couple quotes from customers, perhaps, or partners, or whoever, or stakeholders, maybe uh, a quote from um, the main person in the company who was behind it, some VP and so forth. And then you, that's the very first thing that you write. You start right. from there, right? It forces you to have a very clear, crisp vision of what you want to do. So for example, the Amazon Echo had this document, this PR FAQ. It was a press release and it was a six or seven page document that said, you know, today Amazon released this, you know, uh, the Amazon didn't have a name at the time. There was an inside name for it. Um, uh, and it does this, this and that. And, and Susie from Cincinnati says this. Uh, I love my echo because it allows me to ask for the weather by just uh, speaking. And so it, it talks about the user experience, right? And talks about value. It doesn't That's talk right. about doesn't talk about we did uh, we're using this kind of speech recognition and all who cares about that right? What the customer cares about is that what it does and and why should they buy it right? You start from I there. Really, yep. Yeah, I really love that you start with the end in mind and work backwards. I think the most brilliant people do that. You were the product head of something that revolutionized how people live their daily lives. Do you take a lot of pride in that? Or is it just for you another project in a line of innovative things that you're always kind of working on? No, this was a very special project. Um, I, uh, as, as, the, as your intro um, alluded to, I, I have been in speech and voice, natural language all of my life, basically all mm -hmm. of my from school, my grad, graduate school, through every single job I've done has been in voice and speech and so on. And uh, to be honest, you know, voice has not was was not realized as an interface until this far field speaker came to being. Up to that point, mm -hmm. and the only places where you can do voice automation is you pick up the phone, you call your bank, and you get this thing that you don't like to interact with, this automated mm -hmm. system, and then so you use voice technology there, or you know, on the smartphone with Siri, right? Um, but in all of those instances, um, the key thing about voice, which is you're able to communicate without having to touch anything or to look at anything, right? Yes. Um, up to that point, it was not fulfilled until the smart speaker, uh, the far field, it's called far field because you can talk to it from a distance and it answers you from a distance. So you can, you can be eyes free, hands free, meaning you can be typing, on your laptop, you can be looking at your laptop, and you can simply ask, um, you know, uh, Alexa, you know, what's the weather tomorrow? You just ask and you receive, right? And you right, hear it, right? right? So it, it was the very first, uh, uh, you know, delivery of voice in that way. So it was a very special, to answer your question, it was a very special project. I was very happy to be part of it. I was part of a very large team, and I did a small part of that, of what, uh, what needed to be done, which is product managed the smart home, right? And there were many, many other things that uh, that were being done at the same time within the, the Amazon Echo team. All right. So, so here's what a senior manager of engineering at Amazon says about you. Says that Ahmed is an awesome product manager. He's a visionary, has a a clear idea of how the market will evolve and what customers really want. He has the ability to communicate his vision across horizontally and vertically. I can imagine compliments like this kind of don't grow on trees in the environments that you're working, especially Amazon, I would think. Uh, something that's as, as innovative as that can be. Is there a lot of pressure on 
you when you're working with highly competent teams, not just one person, but a whole team trying to pull a team together to effectively share a vision with them and 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 something that makes their work easier and inspires them to achieve at a higher level. Actually, I would say um, well, one, the one thing that's amazing about Amazon is is that everybody that I encountered there was part of my team was just, um, you know, top notch, A, a right. players, everybody is an A player. So it's very, very hard to get through uh, and be hired by Amazon uh, because they're looking for, you know, A players. And so it's a joy to, to play with A players. They are all very, you know, they, they take what they do very seriously, they deliver, they work hard. And so it's really easy um, to work with such people. It's a joy to work with people like that. Um, you know, nobody's slacking. Everybody wants to, uh, to be, you know, everybody's focused well, on the goal. Um, but I would and, think that yeah. puts more pressure on you to immediately communicate very clearly. Yeah, well, of course. Uh, the thing is uh, communicating, communicating clearly to, uh, to folks who are there, um, present to listen and receive and understand and act on it uh, just uh, enables you to relax and just focus on the message right so you, you don't have to play politics you don't have to you know you just focus on 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 your job so my job you know I'm a trained product person right so that's what I do right. uh, and so and so when I have a team that is receptive and understands my role and understands the value that I bring to the table it just enables me to energizes me to do better without the pressure of, oh, I got to prove myself, right? I don't have to prove myself. We're all A players. I just need to do my job. And I know um, just like a pitcher, uh, you know, who has a great defensive team, you know, can relax and pitch well. It's the same thing with a product manager who has a great engineering team um, and doesn't have to worry about them. They will do their job if you do your job. All right. So it's pretty clear that you work with innovation. If it's not clear to our audience yet, it certainly will be in a couple of minutes here for sure. You work with innovation every day on a daily basis. Tell us about your daily work now and what drives you to work in such an innovative field. Well, first of all, this this is uh, the field that I've been working on forever. And so, it's like a uh, lifelong passion. It's, it is. Right? It is absolutely. It's absolutely yeah. a lifelong passion. So it's you know it's like a musician who you know why do you do music? Well, because I love doing music, right? Um, same thing here. Uh, voice and just the idea of being able to uh, enable folks to engage with an intelligence by speaking naturally. That's a very hard problem. Um, and it's one of the hardest problems in AI. Don't be fooled by uh, you know things like vision and you know robots and all that. And natural language, language that you know, especially conversational language, we are way, way away from getting anywhere close to the competency of human beings. Like, you know, oh, we're going to talk. Oh, I'm going to talk yeah. about that with you in a minute because yeah. I know that <laughs> I know that you and people like you are really probably working on that. What is the most amazing thing about AI and the human voice? Notice I've kind of put them together mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, but the human voice is very, very rich with information. Um, it is not a coincidence that most of our communication is done orally, right? And it's a very effective means of communicating with each other. I can pack a lot of information, intonation. Uh, I can communicate emotion. I can communicate um you know, uh, you know, com- complex ideas uh, by just talking to you. Um, and so, the problem is is hard, 
Artificial intelligence is scratching the surface of that problem. Uh, there's a lot to, uh, there's a lot a lot of work that that's ahead of us. There is there is voice itself, but there's also on top of that what makes things really interesting and therefore it's a, it's a problem that will you know that will always fascinate me and there will always be work. On top of that, there is the conversational aspect, right? So when 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 I'm talking to you in this case, it's, it's pure voice. Uh, we're following a lot of rules, right? A lot of rules that we have internalized, right? Now, understanding, I mean, we're still in the process of understanding those rules. Um, and and on top of that, there is the other uh, added complexity of you, when you're trying to create an AI that talks to you, that AI is not a human being, it's an AI. It's an artificial intelligence, all right? And therefore, how much can you lean on the human-to-human uh, -human conversational paradigm and when do you back off from that because, you know, for example, right, I have to be polite when I speak with a human being, right? It's just, right. It's, it's, it's a basic thing. Do you have to be polite when you talk to an AI? What does politeness mean? Well, politeness means, for example, when I'm asking for, when I'm asking my son for the weather um, and he's giving it to me, I don't say, okay, it's enough, right? But if uh, if it's uh, at Alexa and I've gotten enough information, I just say Alexa quits, right? So there, I have I have violated a, a, a politeness principle, but you know it's not really a violation as such because I'm not talking to a human being. So anyway, there's a whole lot of a lot of work ahead of us. Um, well, listen, this also makes me yeah. fear a little bit. I'm listening to you and I'm wondering, will this change the way humans interact when they start doing more and more of this? Will they become more rude to other humans? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's an well, interesting question, right? It is absolutely an interesting question, and it's a good question. Um, and uh, one thing we have to note is that um, we human beings um, have evolved the way we talk to each other across the centuries, right? Um, right. For example, right before um, there's this thing called the Gutenberg parenthesis. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. So Gutenberg is the is the inventor, one of the inventors or the main inventor of the printing press. Um, in the mm. in the in the in 1600, right? Um, 1600. Right. Uh, so the Gutenberg parenthesis is this um, notion that okay, before the printing press, before the ability to um, to share information on on mass, because now you can cheaply produce text uh, and have people be able to read. Before that, the society was much more oral, right? So we communicated orally, and we communicated. Um, there was no author of something, uh, right? It was very expensive to to write a book, right? Uh, now, um, so the good and is between 1600 and the year 2000 when the internet was starting to take off. Now we're getting into again in, into a much more oral, much more dis, 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 dispersed uh, kind of way of way of communicating as opposed to okay, you have the newspaper, everybody reads the news, same newspaper or the same three newspapers, watches the same three channels, uh, and therefore you know you know we're all on the same page, right? Things are a lot more. A fluid, a lot more um, uh, dispersed the way they used to be uh, before the uh, the press. So my point really is that when the press came in, when written language became, everybody has to go to school and learn proper quote-unquote language, right? The way we talk changed, right? right. The way we, we talk to each other changed, right? It's going to be the same thing here, um, meaning change. there, yeah, there'll be changes. Change. Um, I mean, the basic thing is that human beings which has never changed, the human beings take care of themselves and their family, uh, you know, and, and, and live and they are social. 
uh, animals and they and they and, and they are and they're genetically predisposed to be cooperative with other with other human beings so whatever changes will happen this is just a theory of mine in my head whatever changes will happen they will not touch the core of who we are and what we do as human beings um they will touch they will change our style perhaps maybe it will be more abrupt uh i don't know uh, i have no idea um but to your point there may be things that will change, but changes change. You know, I don't, you know. I well, think we, just, we'll, we need to be aware of it. That's all. We'll be more sophisticated, probably, would be my guess in Perhaps. in how we determine which thing we're doing at what time. Uh, is there a lot of pressure? It, it, it actually, let me back up and say: Is there a lot of failure when you're innovating? Because uh, here you're working with AI. I'm sure that you have your share of failure. Of course, I'd say, uh, just like they say, 90 percent of ninety uh, percent of success is just work, right? Or maybe ninety nine percent. I'd say ninety percent expect to fail ninety percent of the time. Um, so, tr so do try as many times as possible because you will succeed, but you'll fail a lot more than you'll succeed. Uh, and so, when you fail, understand that that is the nature of the beast. Um, if you want to be in the world of innovation. You know, expect to fail a lot, um, and be prepared to, to 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 fail a lot. Just make sure that you don't hurt yourself when you fail. I mean, right. I mean, when you enter into a venture, know that the likelihood of failing is is there. Um, but the thing is, you know, what does failure mean? Um, well, if you are going towards a goal, and you are constantly learning as you as you strive towards that goal, um, and you're learning in the process. Then you will see things that will enable you to cushion the failure so that you can pivot into something um, that you've learned, right? And because you've learned that thing, now you're a little bit more robust, right? So maybe I, I like you putting the positive spin on that like that. I really do. Now, talk to us about how sophisticated, because look, I think anybody who's living today wants to know the answer to this next question. Talk to us about how sophisticated AI is becoming in voice and what the future will look like surrounding this technology. Like how, how good is it now? And what's the speed of when we can't tell the difference between a human and an artificial voice? Oh, yeah, that's a great question, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we, uh, innovation is, it's accelerating, right? Um, so an innovation in terms of AI, um, is happening faster than before because the infrastructure is there now that it isn't. It didn't. It's not like we had some revelations. It's we have a lot, a lot more. Hard, the iPhone, for example, enabled. If it was not for the iPhone, we wouldn't have the Echo because uh, the the iPhone enabled the creation of all those chips that were needed um, to make the uh, a device like the Amazon Echo cheaply, right? Um, and also, most crucially, perhaps is. Um, it enabled the collection of lots and lots and lots of data cheaply, right? So AI. So the has, development of some technology is speeding up the development of other technology. Of course, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, um, and the collection of data is the key in all of this, right? So the more today's AI is uh, is pretty dumb in the, in the in the in the sense that what we're doing really is we're creating black boxes, right? Um, okay. We say, you know, we just you know we say learn the following. And then we say, this here is a dog, and this here is a cat, and we show it lots and lots of dogs, lots and lots of cats, and it, and we say these are the properties you need to take um, into account, and so we just feed it, and we feed it uh, enough data, or in the case of voice, we you know voice data, and we say, okay, this here, the sound here, 
it's this word and this sound here is this word and here are different versions of of those sounds and so on and just feed it um, and then once it gets enough data it starts to perform meaning it starts to become very very accurate right so today i would say i think we have i would say we have solved the speech recognition problem uh, to a certain extent there are situations um, and use cases where the AI is more performing than the human being in terms of understanding speech, right? So the person will say, what did you say? Whereas the AI understands it because it was trained enough about those kinds of, of audio. Um, now, in terms of uh, text-to-speech, which is I think what you were alluded to, and that is the hearing an AI speak and not being able to tell whether it's a person or not. Right. It's kind of like you see on the stage right now there's Dave and there's Otis and there's me and there's you. When is it that that the four of us are going to have start having trouble telling when we're talking to a person or something that's artificially generated? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we are ways off. To be honest with you, I think we are ways off because there are so many subtleties. Um, again, not only in voice but also in conversational uh, rules. For example. <clears throat> um, the the the, uh, the AI will have to learn how to make mistakes the way a human being makes mistakes uh, to become something that fools you that it's human, right? Huh. So if I'm talking to a, 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 a bot and it sounds very, very much like a human being and it never slips and never makes a mistake, very, very, very quickly I'm going to be able to say, this guy is too perfect to be a real human being, right? That's um, clever. I never thought that mistakes would be a part of making it more normal like us. Yeah, That's I mean, it, it has to learn how to stutter. It has to learn how to lose its train of thought. You know? It has wow. to learn those things. All right. And so are we going to teach it those things? I don't think we're going to teach it those things. So um, I think we'll always be able to tell that we're talking to a human being just because human being by nature is imperfect. And in fact, it's the imperfection that makes the human being very robust, right? So because we're yes. able to make, because we're able to I, make all those mistakes, uh, we are robust. We're we're not we're not tightly wound to do perfectly and then to collapse when things are you know uh, you know go a little bit awry. Making humans imperfect might have been the greatest thing that God ever did. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> I agree. Uh, people don't think it, but it's really true. It's what it's part of what makes us special. Do you have any advice for us in dealing with AI, especially in the future? Like, is there stuff to look out for? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think more than ever, I think we need to think, we need to think before we use technology. We need to think hard and we need to be a lot more involved than we have been up to this point. I mean, up to this point, you have Apple and they and they launched the iPhone and we receive the iPhone and we just use it, right? Absolutely. I mean, right. We're just receivers of these products from these, you know, uh, companies in the mount, right? They well, know. Now, and now we feel <laughs> entitled to it also, right? Right. Exactly. Right. I think we need to be a lot more. I think we need to be a lot more involved in 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 in, the, in these products in terms of what products are being built why are they being built, what kind of an effect they have on people. I'll give you an example, um, mm -hmm. quick example, which is Amazon when they, uh, uh, you know, when they launched, and I was part of the team when we, uh, we launched the, uh, the, the Echo. Um, so there's the hardware, so there's the, the smart speaker hardware called the Echo. And then there is the assistant, right. and the assistant's name is Alexa, okay? Um, and so uh, there's hardware and there's software. And Alexa, as a, a piece of software, exists in the cloud and can be talked to from the smart speaker, you can also talk to it from 
your car, you can talk to it from your smartphone, and there's some other hardware that you can talk to that same exact piece of software. Now that software was called Alexa, and Alexa is the name of a human being, okay? Um, right. And now, now uh, as a result of the fact that now people are saying, Alexa, what time is it? Alexa, you know, give me the weather. Alexa, is the post office open? Um, people whose name is Alexa, right, have <laughs> feel that their name has been hijacked. Absolutely. And, and and one and so I I know at the beginning when I heard and there are actually there I'm I'm I'm, I'm talking to all these mothers you know who are reaching out to me because they uh, you know they they are in a bind and at the beginning I just said ah you're complaining about something that's small. Oh, I never really thought that the guy that developed the product would get all kinds of complaints about picking the name. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is this right uh, when I listen to them. What they're complaining about is actually very, very real because it is every single day uh, that they have to deal with. Now, now, uh, first of all, there's the bullying, so that happens in school, right? Alexa, right. you know, you know, you can see a nine-year-old. Alexa, pick up my socks, right? Um, of course. You know, of course. Uh, well, okay, kids will be kid, kids. But at the same time, imagine your name is Alexa and you are in a Zoom meeting, right? And there are 20 people in the Zoom meeting. How many of those people have an Echo? I, you know, I'd say, you know, maybe 15% of the people. So in almost every single meeting, uh, you know, it either starts with, we have a, a person named Alexa, and of course an Alexa will, will, will be triggered. Can you please mute? Or they won't even think about that. And then, you know, it will, and they, or they will say, you know what, let's just not call you Alexa, we'll call you something else. And so it may sound funny, right? But when I listen to them. Oh, no. It, no, 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 I'm no, saying no. it sounded funny to me, you know, to be honest with you. I'm not saying anything about anyone else. I mean, at the beginning, it sounded, oh, well, that's funny, right? And then, uh, and then it said, oh, it can't be that bad. But then when I started listening to them and to their stories, I mean, these are uh, real people who are uh, were actually suffering as a result, um, suffering that you and I, you know, can only relate to in an abstract way. But for them, every single day, their, their name has been hijacked. And then there are lots and lots of stories like that. Anyway, the point is, for example, here's an example of, of, of a big company who decided to do something, and I and, and I was there, and it was nobody nobody thought about that, and we, we, we just didn't think it was going to be an issue at all, right? Um, it was just going to be just like okay, there was there is Siri, and there is Alexa, but the big difference obviously is that we don't go spend all day saying hey Siri, right? Uh, you know, not, not certainly. I mean, we use the phone and we just click on the button and we get whatever we need, right? Uh, but here it's a smart speaker, so we hey, you know, say Alexa all day long. So here's an example of the technology, the, the, the technologists themselves. We didn't have at that time in our mind the ethos of let's think carefully about the effect of this technology on human beings beyond usual pollution and so on, right? Or land labor and all that. There's now more that we need to think about. So the level of sophistication that was needed was not there among the team in terms of thinking of these ethical issues and also among the consumers because now I'm still, when I'm talking to folks, they don't get it, uh, but then when I talk to them, uh, you know, a few more minutes, their consciousness arises and they start thinking about it. So as a whole, this is a simple example, but as a whole, I think we have a lot, of, you know, a lot of a lot of thinking along those lines to do. I'm sure you have other people that say this, but as I'm listening to you talk about this, I think about the problems that I sometimes have almost every day where I'm dealing with a personality in the broadcast business, and we start talking about Alexa, and of course, when we do that she pipes right up on one end or the other of the exactly. conversation. 
And so I'm sure that this has a lot of practical application in a lot of places. I definitely want to thank you, Ahmed, for for joining us on innovation and audio. I hope you'll stick around in case our guests that are, are, are watching us are going to have uh, questions for you after our second interview. If, if you haven't subscribed to the encouragers innovation and audio podcast, you are really missing out on great content. Every single week, we have a growing archive of shows for you too, that you just simply won't believe uh, uh, important things that can help improve your career in audio. While you're listening to this live event, make sure that you have joined the encouragers here on the clubhouse app and share what we're doing with other friends in radio and audio. You can follow the people on stage and look around the room and connect with those folks as well. A big part of encouraging you in your audio career is helping you engage in the networking process. Find out what our guests talk about every single week, including hacks to make your career better and certainly more innovative opportunities by subscribing to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. We have great guests and insight every single week to help you learn and grow in your career in the 21st century. You can meet our guests live on Clubhouse or subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss anything. We actually have two podcasts, the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast and the Encouragers the Radio Rally podcast are both, of course, available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. One final note before our next guest, we have a special event coming up on October the 1st. If you're serious about programming, developing audience for your radio station or developing audience anywhere with the use of music, you will want to check this out. Even if you just want to be the best music director in your market, this is a must attend live event. Make sure you make time for it. It's the Friday night live event with Guy Zapolian. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We call it music research and rotation. That's music, music discovery, research, and rotations then and now with Guy Zapolian. And of course, uh, Skip Dillard from WBLS and Hot 97 in New York City is out this week. Innovation and audio was his idea. I always like to give him uh, credit for that uh, as he uh, originally said to me, let's do something that involves a real innovation, not just the same old guest uh, saying that they're going to talk about innovation. We are very fortunate to have a top flight voice pro on-air talent and podcast cast host of the This Is Weird podcast to join us as our co-host, kind of pitch hitting today with us, uh, Otis Osho. How are you, Otis? Excited to be here. Excited to be here. All right. Thank you for being I, you know, I saw this on your Facebook. What's the strangest feedback you've gotten to your question? Uh, what's your unpopular opinion on something almost everyone loves, but you cannot stand? Uh, the thing that kind of blew my mind was some people said The Office and The Simpsons. Oh, nice. Both of which I think are just legendary. So, uh, but pretty legendary and popular, right? Listen, yeah. <laughs> you've got a you've got a great guest for us, don't you? I do. Uh, this guy from the Midwest Family Broadcasting, uh, Southwest Michigan and Indiana. Um, I guess Dave Deutsch. Did I say that correct, Dave? Close, close, closer than Lloyd. It's Deutsch, like Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. I like that. All right. <laughs> I have a weird last name as well, so many people have said it wrong my entire life. I played football in high school for four years, and the announcers never got it right. 
you'd think after a year. Yeah, I had the same issue. <laughs> How you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. It's it's been scorching hot here, so just finding the air conditioning. <laughs> I think uh, I some I don't know if you were probably there because I think you've been with Southwest or excuse me Midwest Family Radio for twelve years is what I read. But I was uh, actually uh, in you know, uh, about seventeen years ago at U ninety three. Oh yeah. So, yeah, I think know it very well with our stations down in South Bend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, everybody in radio uh, can pretty much attest that there's, there's a bug you catch as you kind of start this crazy career, the amazing business that we're all in. What was that bug for you? How did you get into it? Well, uh, it was a unique situation where um, I had originally gone to school to do computer graphic design, kind of early generation of it, and that got me in the, the mass communications department. I went to my internship, and uh, there were numerous people in the internship at uh, the National Association of Broadcasters College Division. We were out east uh, at Brown University, and uh, one of my uh, fellow interns needed somebody to do voiceover work for part of his project, and he said, would you do it for me? And I said, yeah, happy to do it. Had never done anything like that before. And uh, I took that back to when I uh, submitted my internship. I'm like, hey, let me use that as one of the things I worked on to get my credit. And one of the people on the panel approving my work was the program director for the college radio station. And he came up to me immediately and said, you need to be on the radio. And that got me in. Uh, and then shortly after that, another radio station locally um, heard me and gave me an opportunity and i was the next thing i knew i was doing nights at a local radio station in winona minnesota it's amazing how god works in, in plans that you didn't don't even expect them very cool can you walk us yep. through broadcast career you've had up until this point how did you get here yeah, my, my whole career has been in broadcasting, uh, starting uh, at the age of 21. I was working at that radio station in Winona, and I was actually still going to school full time, and I was working at a fleet farm, and my car broke down, and I'm like, man, I need some money, because you, know, you weren't making uh, you know, a lot working at the station, loved it, but uh, I, I saw uh, these nice cars in the parking lot at the station, so I asked the general manager, I said, Who's, whose cars are those? And they said, those are the salespeople. And I said, well, let me do that too. And he's like, well, I'll let you do it, but you got to keep your on-air shift. So I was doing um, overnights two days, two nights a week, and I was doing the weekend six to midnight shift on Saturday and Sunday. And then I picked up an account list and started selling. That uh, I grew in that role. I then transitioned to uh, out of Winona, Minnesota, over to Mankato, Minnesota. Had an opportunity to grow. They had a bigger station and a bigger signal and bigger rating. So I thought that'd be fun to go work there. Uh, was off the air there and just focused on sales, got into sales management. Then at the age of 26, I went to Midwest Family in Southwest Michigan, where I'm at now. But I came the first time as a local sales manager. But then I also got recruited into being uh, on the local rock morning show, the co-host. And I was back on the air for about uh, two and a half years as I did the, the sales management. Um, then I stepped away from on air to focus more on the, on the sales side because my career was growing there. Um, I left Midwest Family for about two years and went to Layton Broadcasting in, in Grand Forks, North Dakota. 
that uh, taught me a lot, but Midwest family missed me and they recruited me back and I was hired as director of sales for our operations uh, in Springfield, Illinois. And I was there for two years and I returned to doing some voice track shifts there uh, on the air because I've always had the bug and enjoyed it and uh, but was also director of sales and then in 2010 i was uh, they contacted me and said how would you like to come back to southwest michigan and take on the responsibility of general manager and uh, president general manager and uh, i was excited i was 39 years old thought it was a great opportunity and and, and jumped at it and have been here ever since and have loved it i love it. and i through my career i have always uh, appreciated and enjoyed more working for people that uh, are in your position who understand being behind the microphone. There, there's a lot of people that never did the microphone work. And they don't, I don't know, can't say that they don't completely understand, but I think there's an extra understanding for someone like you who, who's done it. Uh, yeah, and what's fun is, Right. What's fun is with my, my, my talents, my shows that are on the air, if I'm walking in the hallway, they're always trying to wave me in and jump on the air with them because they love interacting with me, which is just a lot of fun because they know I can do it and, it, and, and engage with it. And, uh, and they like poking fun at the, 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 the chief. So it's, it's a good time. That's right. You've been president and GM at Midwest Family Radio for almost 12 years, as I mentioned before. What makes your current position so special? Right. I got to say right now, I'm, I'm probably learning at a whole different level than I ever have in my career. You know, unfortunately, with COVID, but also a lot of the changes and the disruption in our industry, it's really challenging me to look at how do we help our, our company survive and thrive and, and what do we have to do differently and how do we have to adapt and and even looking at what, what why is radio still relevant today what is the factor that matters and how does it tie back into a digital world a world where people are connecting on all kinds of new platforms and and sources how do we stay relevant uh and and meaningful uh in 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 that dynamic and that's teaching me a lot it's challenging me and I got to say, I, I, I'm definitely not bored. <laughs> I, I bet not, especially in, in the world today that radio is. Uh, with your job, I'm sure everybody's wearing a million hats, but you've probably got about two million hats. So, uh, yep, we are. And that's one of the things I try to look at, too, is how does how has the change happened? And, and, and what's interesting is some people have walked away from the industry. Um, they, they've decided, you know, I just need to do something else, that, that, that things are changing. So that's been unique because that it's not easy to refill those positions. So like you said, people have to wear more hats. So we have to get innovative and in looking at what, what other talents can we bring in the building to offset those efforts. So even though they know how to do some hats, we can hand off to others um, for, other, for other duties or, or new things that we're trying to learn and uh, grasp. Most definitely. And, uh... From what I've heard of you, this is a direct quote about you, so let me gloat on you for a second. Uh, they, somebody said, quote, they say that you size up a person in the first three seconds of meeting you. I wanted to hire Dave after those three seconds. Luckily, Dave accepted the position, and our initial gut reaction was spot on. Dave was everything I hoped. Uh, not only is he a brilliant marketer, but a savvy and intelligent leader, always innovating, moving forward like a shark. However, the thing that most separates Dave from the pack is his exceptional training and people development skills. So why leadership is so important uh, in any organization in the 21st century? 
Well, it's about developing people. And no company is um, more than the people that work for them. And you have to really try to get a better understanding of how do they tick, what inspires them, what matters to them, why are they there, why, why do they want to stay. And once you learn those dynamics, um, you, you then can help yourself in leading them. They, they have to see a path. They have to see a direction. Um, that, that's what I have found. And, and oftentimes you, you can tell people, but I've always found that if you kind of share a knowledge with people and teach people or have them teach as well, um, they engage and they get uh, more bought in to the process. So I, I've always tried to use new knowledge or new skill development or new opportunities as a means to helping us see what's next, see the opportunity ahead and see the future. And, and with that, you can then, it, it helps in leading them. Most definitely. I've worked for several different types of leaders in, in my day. And the ones that were like the best coaches, the best positive role models, the ones that you really wanted to like do amazing things for were always the best because you kind of at the top are setting an example for your team. Because I've been in a team where the person at the top wasn't so leadership driven, wasn't so team oriented, and, and that kind of breaks down as it falls, trickles down to the lower part. Uh, so I, I, I absolutely, absolutely. Where you have to look, where I look at it is, is people can say they work for me, but that's that is you know far from the case. I work for them. Um, I, I have to be looking out for them. I have to be conscientious for them. Um, I, I work for them. You know, I, I really do. And sometimes they don't see that. Uh, sometimes when you're challenging people or you're trying to help them uh, garner the big picture, they don't see that I'm doing this for you. Uh, they sometimes look at it as you're you're imposing upon them, and that's the careful balance as to how you you bridge that, communicate that, try to learn, and try to um, inspire so that they get bought in. Uh, so I noticed you you carry several certifications um, as a search marketing specialist and as a content marketing specialist as well. Uh, how do you keep that innovative? Do you feel your company is being innovative, and especially in the area of digital marketing? I, I, I'm excited by innovation. Uh, I, I want to look at what is the next opportunity? How can we be diverse? How can we be unique? So I've always been very excited uh, about the internet and about software and about platforms that become available to us. So one of the things I've really tried to look at on the innovation side is still how do we serve our, our audiences and how can we serve the advertising customer as well? And one of the things that I've tried to kind of work off of is a theory of how do I take content that we create and make it work three times, three times so that it becomes more available to the consumer, to the to the listener or to the user, whatever uh, is the description, and then becomes another dynamic for advertising. So an example of that is we have a news department and then for our talk station that is a news talk station. So we then have the website for the station obviously that's got the news posted on it but then we also created another app totally separate called town crier wire and now we put that news again uh, used a third time over to town crier wire some people will say i don't want to listen to the news talk station i'm not a fan of news talk radio 
but they still want that news. So we create the app and then we use the power of our radio stations. We're fortunate. We've got seven stations in our market and we use that station to then promote Town Crier Wire, which gets a whole nother audience to go to that platform, which has been around now for five years and not one single month has it not had it grow, uh, has it not seen growth in um, installations. And that now becomes another vehicle for advertisers to go and reach uh, a certain lifestyle that they want to reach in certain demographics in our in our area. I love that. Uh, the last uh, innovation in audio I was on, I, I brought up the fact that I think radio needs to be better at creating at the on-demand side of things because everything's going that way. And I think what you just said is exactly that. You give people the option of on-demand while bringing them back to the station and kind of utilizing all that uh, together. Uh, but in your opinion, yeah, and what's, what's well, I was just going to say, and another factor that I, I've been, when we go into the certifications I've gone after in uh, search and content marketing and to better understand that dynamic, especially because business owners are saying that this is something I need. And then they look at radio and go, oh, radio can't help that. Radio is this hundred year old business that doesn't know how that world even works. So I've wanted to go into that certification to garner knowledge myself. And the thing kind of along the lines that you were talking about that that we have to offer is the fact that Google and Facebook and other search engines, they when they send out their spiders uh, to evaluate the sites, they want fresh content. They want, they want things that have been created in the here and now and that people have consumed those things. Those work hand in hand. They don't want old content because old content doesn't have value. What has radio done every day for decades, it has created fresh content every single day. The shows every day are creating fresh content and we can pull that content. Now we have to figure out how does that fresh content tied into other businesses through things like backlinking and so forth, or even content sharing uh, that'll help businesses Moz ranking um, and help their websites be seen in a, in a, in a better light by, by Google and, and other search engines. We can help that simply because we're good at fresh content. So it removes the variable of the tower and the signal and AM and FM. That still matters for us because we can get mass, we can get reach, we can create awareness. But that content that we create, it, that fresh content, it kind of makes us like a, a content bakery, right? And every morning, our morning shows are up in the middle of the night just like bakers are. And they're baking up, creating, they're uh, formulating that fresh content that we can use in a world that's seeking fresh content, that's an opportunity for us. I love that. And you've touched on a lot of different things that make radio innovative and things that we can move towards to keep continuing to be more innovative. But what, in your opinion, is the single most important factor to creating an innovative, innovative environment uh, in today's radio business? You have to talk about it. And you have to have people feel comfortable with it uh just as uh the earlier guest was talking about you, know, you got to be willing to burn some cookies and scrape some knees and don't be afraid to do that so you've got to create an environment that says yeah give it a shot give it a try let's see and what's cool in today's world is you can use attribution or you know a data to, to determine is that working is it not working is it getting um an audience is it drawing people in or is it not and um, and it doesn't necessarily all have to be to turn around and create a profit. Um, it, 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 
we can be creating some forms of innovation that send them to other means of innovation that that could be where the revenue is drawn. So you really want to let people know it's okay. And that's been tough because radio has kind of been doing the same thing we've always done to the most part for almost a hundred years. And now suddenly it's like, wait a minute, we've got to, we've got to adapt a bit and we've got to do some things differently. And that is a real shock to the system for some people. So even just saying we want to have an innovative environment, some people aren't prepared for that. Some people, the comfort for them was the fact that radio was so consistent in some of its practices that even minor changes are, are rattle, rattle them a bit. So being prepared for that. And, uh, and then another dynamic I think that helps it is inviting people into your company that have nothing to do with radio, but believe in radio, but understand some of these new elements where innovation is drawn from the you know, websites and, and uh, the internet in general or search or whatever it might be, and, and have them help foster that, that innovation because they see it differently. Yeah, it is interesting that radio has been built for this moment that we're experiencing, which is just a hyper-competitive world for audio, whether it be podcasts, whether it be the clubhouse that we're on right now. Uh, mm -hmm. People want content. Uh, and audio, especially these days. Now, with that much of a hyper-competitive world that we now live in, how does radio attract the best talent, influencers, and sellers to stay in the game? Well, a little bit of what we talked about being open to innovation, but there's a caveat, I think, and I found this recently in recruiting that I've been directly involved in, and that is radio has... Um, strongly been cause oriented. We have done things to serve the community. And what's so interesting about the next, the, the, the younger generations or the next generation, you know, the millennials or Gen Z that are in the workforce, what matters to them at a degree I've really never seen before is how does your company serve the community? How are you as a corporate citizen? And radio has been phenomenal at that. We, we are uh, we do it at a level that others don't match, you know, whether it's uh, supporting, um, you know, charitable runs or doing food drives or St. Jude. You know, there's so many different things that we uh, are involved in. And, and when we start sharing that with people, they look at us in a different light. They see, wait a minute, you are very um, integrated and you're very involved and, and, and you're making a difference. And then they look past, well, there's Spotify or there's Pandora, or there's Amazon Music or whatever that dynamic might be. It opens up their eyes a little bit and they start to see that we are really lifestyle hubs that are serving the community at, at such a deep level that they have an appreciation for that and then say, I want to be a part of this. And that's what we have to, we have to make sure we're sharing that because I'm finding a, a, a number of candidates are really drawn to that. I love that. Dave, you've given us some awesome uh, information today. Your answers to everything got me more hype and <laughs> I would actually love to work for you. <laughs> just uh, some of the things you said, I'm like, man, the type of person I'd love to work for. Well, thank you. What is your view as radio moves forward on the future of local radio, you kind of touched on it a little bit, the locality and, and being a part of the community. Uh, but will radio stand the test of time? Will we be able to adjust and continue to be a powerful force in the future, in your opinion? Well, you know, the, one of the things I think that we've heard a lot is you got to be more local. What do you you got to be more local? But I think what comes into play is what does local mean 
I think you have to really look at what matters to that community. What is that community? Um, what, what drives that community? What is that community looking for? And then being advocates of it. We, we can't just say because we do live remotes in the community that we're in the community or just because we did help one cause uh, marketing type thing, cause uh, cause event type of uh, element that that is it alone. We have to get out. We have to tell our story. We have to market ourselves. We have to um, use other tools. You know, a lot of radio stations and we do it ourselves. We know we'll use our own advertising uh, on the air, but we go to go beyond that. We too have to be buying, uh, you know, targeted display and geofencing and, and go onto the streaming services and run our own ads. Um, you know, we have to make ourselves um, our, and, and share our authentic story. And we have to get that out to people because it's, it, it can't just be we put, we, we're on the signals and they know. They, they don't know. And we have to do a better job of, of marketing and we have to get out there and tell our story so that they see it on that local level. And then we have to make sure we're going out into those organizations and those entities, whether it's uh, schools, whether it's um, Rotary or Kiwanis, whether it's, um, um, you know, some of the biggest companies in town. And, and, and may, even if they don't advertise with you, remove it from the standpoint of advertising and talk about how can we help? How can we help tell your story or what, what can we do to be of service to you? We, we have to. Um, not just sit behind the microphones and run promotions and contests and hope that it happens. We have to really get out and, and, and shake those hands and be that feet on the street um, that we already are and just make sure it's known. We appreciate you, man. Dave, great information. Uh, we appreciate you being on Innovation and Audio today. and uh, Just everything really helpful. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I, I've really enjoyed being here. Thank you for inviting me on. Lloyd, thank you for having me as well. I'll turn it back over to you. You bet. And Dave, I'm just going to address you directly and say a couple of things here. Number one, mm -hmm. I hope you'll stick around for a few minutes in case other people have questions. Number two, sure. you just said about, I don't know, three, four, five of the most brilliant things that have been said on uh, innovation on audio as it relates directly to the radio business. Uh, I am just absolutely on board with everything that you just said, especially about getting on these other platforms, about sharing our story. I think sometimes radio has forgotten that controlling the narrative is a part of something that we do in an effective way if we get off of our butt and out from behind the, the, behind the microphone and absolutely engage our communities. I also love that you talk from a leadership perspective of not always being selfish and you know it's easy for people to be selfish and it always has been but what you said is even if they're not going to advertise go engage these people that is how it's done so i definitely also want to echo what otis said and just thank you for hanging out with us and if you'll hang around for a few minutes we'll see if some other folks have some questions too great we are going to open up the room in case you have some questions for our guests right now. All you have to do is push the button at the bottom of your screen on your iPhone or Android device to raise your hand. We will bring you up onto the stage. We do ask that you mute your microphone when we do that because uh, there's an audio issue with Clubhouse if there are too many microphones on. By the way, when you join the encouragers uh, you know, look, we, we have some people who just come to listen. That's okay with us, too. 
Our goal is to provide interesting content, advice, career hacks to move your career forward and encourage you. But we don't mind sharing the stage with you if you're so inclined either. So uh, we do like to extend the offer each Wednesday, but we don't feel like we want to be pressuring you to talk. This is a safe space for everyone. Don't forget that coming Monday, this coming Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the radio rally right here on the Encouragers, we have Let's Talk Programming, our live event with Johnny Chang, who's the Director of Operations and Country Format Coordinator for Cox Media Group. He will be joined by Ashley Wilson, who's the Director of Country Programming in Kentucky and Indiana region for iHeart Media. Tell your friends in innovation, audio, and specifically radio so that they can get our free resources too at rainmakerpathway.com in our free blog section. If you have a specific challenge that you would like some strategic advice, you can simply email me or uh, call me free consultation. And uh, it's also confidential, F-O-R-D at rainmakerpathway.com. Uh, I am going to uh, see if Ashley would like to come to the stage and uh, has a question for someone on our panel or one of our guests for sure. And uh, we'll see if we can get her to come up while she is doing that. I, I do want to ask a question of um, I do want to ask a question of Ahmed. Uh, you know, Elon Musk is always kind of warning us about artificial intelligence. I'm sorry, not artificial intelligence, robots uh, taking over. Is it possible that AI and voice could be a part of this as well? I know that sounds crazy, but is it possible? That, that uh, AI speaking robot would take over? Yes. <laughs> Um, uh, no, 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 seriously. Mm -hmm. We know that companies like Bank of America, mm -hmm. uh, not to mention any names, but we'll just use them. They have a lot of interesting technology. They would love to eliminate having to deal with people and have an artificial way oh. to do that. Okay. okay. You mean lab, like replacing people, uh, workers, right? From the lab, Repl replacing yeah. people, making it impossible for people to tell the difference between what's real and what's mm -hmm. not real. Yeah. You know, it's all part of part and parcel, if you will. Is this a concern for for artificial voice taking over? Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, let's remember that we live in a society of laws. Right. It's not like things happen and we are helpless and that they take time. And that, again, if we are vigilant and active uh, as opposed to mere consumers who are receiving, and if you are um, thinking citizens and get, get involved, then uh, we will do what's needed to protect us, right? So if it turns out that, I don't know, uh, they start sending these voice bots that do sound like uh, human beings and they target the elderly and, uh, you know, and, and they, and they uh, you know, hook them, uh, you know, fool them into giving them money and all that. I mean, that's, that's illegal. Um, and so I, I'm a believer in the rule of law. I'm a believer in democracy. I'm, I'm a big believer in getting folks um, to be active. And so it's not like it's just going to happen and we'll be helpless. I think um, to the extent that we can be involved, we should. And uh, we should definitely try to see if we can get our... Um, the, I mean, the problem really is that how fast can the law move to catch up with, uh, with change? I mean, that's, that is that's, a big that's, question. That's the question, that yeah. That's a huge question. Ashley, do you have a question for somebody on our panel? 
Hey guys, it's good to finally be up on stage. So my question is for both of you coming at this from um, somebody that has a disability. So what advice would you give to people trying to get into specifically sales and or um, AI who, who do have visual impairments to where um, it might be harder for some of us to get jobs. Dave, do you want to take that question Maybe first? Sure. Yeah. I, I think you know, I worked with a, a blind couple, actually, who worked uh, for us in Springfield, Illinois. And it, it just gave me, um, you know, just some recall with that, um, where we did some accommodations where uh, somebody met them when they came in. Um, they trained them to understand our systems. Uh, one of them learned actually how to use the board. Uh, the other was not capable, so we used a board op, uh, but she was phenomenal at her job. So it, it's about, you know, it goes back again in this instance, you had mentioned sales, but the experience I had was with uh, on air, but I think it could happen either way, where we looked at what is their skill set, what is their capacity, and then how can we accommodate that to maximize that capacity. Um, if somebody was in sales, you know, the real key is can they begin conversations with locally owned businesses? I'm not really uh, partial to how they do that. If they have the capacity to do that, whether it's by phone or today, a lot of it is done uh, by Zoom, um, whether or not it has to be in person, or we could accommodate that as well. But if they can create that conversation, and we feel that skill is there, we'll, we'll work with that skill and grow that skill and, and find how do we accommodate otherwise, because that's really the missing ingredient. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody can talk to strangers about money in a meaningful context. And if somebody knows how to do that or wants to learn how to do that, and we can evaluate that they have the capacity to do that, we'll definitely accommodate to help maximize that strength. Well, Dave, what I think I hear you saying here is that you don't turn down salespeople. <laughs> in other words, you know, if you've got good sellers, you want them no matter, it doesn't matter what their issues are, correct? I mean, correct. you, you want to engage them. Uh, Ahmed, can you tell us a little bit about how somebody uh, with a visual impairment might be involved with uh, AI? Sure, absolutely. So um, if you are visually impaired, um, probably you are far more... Um, your hearing is far better than uh, that's what I hear um, than a you know somebody who is um, who is not visually impaired, right? So that's one number one. It's it, it's that you have a level of sensitivity to audio um, that somebody you know who um, who is who has vision does not have. So that's one thing. And number two, um, there is uh, in building AI. There's a lot of there's a lot of functions and roles in building a functioning. Um, for example, voice bot, right? A robot that is conversational. Um, and so there is an area called voice user interface design. And that area is actually growing. It's a growing field. And I won't be more than happy to send you some articles uh, and, and that, that will help you understand what, what it's all about. But it's basically uh, just like you design a website, right? You design a website, um, uh, you, know, you have to have a sense of color and structure and you know there are principles so on. There is the equivalent in voice, in conversational voice, right? But there, there's nothing visual. It's basically you're designing a conversation. What does the bot say when, the, when it opens um, a conversation? How does it react when the user says this? 
or that or that and then what happens afterwards what if things go wrong how does how does the how does the, the voice bot repair the conversation all those things are purely non-visual um and somebody could easily do that or maybe do it even better than somebody who's uh, who's not visually impaired anyway those are my two cents thank you just to piggyback on what Amity was saying too uh, ashley i think you could utilize the strength you have with your disability that a lot of us won't have because we haven't experienced what you have. Um, you have a unique story. So when it goes to what Dave was saying, if you wanted to get into sales, you're going to be able to walk into businesses that are important to you and potentially your disability or things that you utilize and have a more intelligent conversation with that business owner and potentially make the sale because you personally deal with it. I would say lean on those trips as well. Excellent. Well, listen, I, I do want to say a big thank you to Dave from uh, Midwest Family Radio and uh, Ahmed from Whitlingo for being our very patient and giving guest on this live uh, event. A very special thank you also to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, which should be available in the next hour or so anywhere you get your podcast. And thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing the podcast itself. Please do share our podcast when it does come out. Of course, we have two podcasts, the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast and the Encouragers innovation and audio podcast. And you can share those with anyone that you know is interested or has a growing desire to have a successful career in audio in any way. Both of these podcasts are available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember this. Be kinder than you have to be. That's a, such a great message for today. I, I swear I want to say it to people all the time. Thank you for being a part of innovation and audio with the encouragers. And good night.